Chapter seventy four of Half a Century by Jane Grey Swisshelm. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Get out of the old theatre. I do not know how long I was in charge of the old theatre, but remember talking to someone of having been there ten days and things looking as usual. It was after the change of base that one afternoon I got eight hopeful cases sent to the general hospital where they would have beds. That night about ten o'clock the vidette halted a man who explained that he was surgeon in charge of that institution, and when he got leave to go on I caught him by the lapel of his coat and said, If you are a surgeon, what is the reason that eight men I sent you this afternoon had had no supper at nine o'clock? He promised to attend to them before he slept, and on that we parted. Soon after this, Dr. Childs of Philadelphia and a regular army surgeon came to the old theatre, hung their coats in official dignity, if they had any on the wall, never said a word about the rubbish in the hall, but fastened up their sleeves and went to work. When they came I felt as if I could not take another step, went to my room and lay down, thinking of Raphael's useless angels leaning their baby arms on a cloud my angels wore beards and had their sleeves turned up like farm labourers as they lifted men out of the depths of despair into the light and warmth of human help and human sympathy in sending the men away they sent the amputation cases and george to the church and sent for me to go to them there georgie had gone to the general hospital and there was no surgeon in charge at the church when i went to it so once more I set about doing that which was right in my own eyes. I could have a bale of hay, whipped out my needle and thread, and for several bad cases who had two blankets, converted one into a bed-tick, had it filled with hay, and a man placed on it, but three were sadly in need of beds and had no blankets, and to them I allotted the balance of my precious bale, had it placed under them loose, and rejoiced in their joy over so great a luxury." My theatre men had been laid in a row close to the wall next to the late scene of their suffering, and about midnight of the first night there a nurse asked me to go to a man who was dying. I found him in front of the altar. The doors and front panels of the pews had been fastened V-shaped to the floor, and he lay with one arm over this and his head hanging forward. He had been shot through the chest, was breathing loud and in gasps, worn out for want of support and to lay him down was to put out his lamp of life instantly. What he needed was a high-backed chair, but General Patrick's sense of duty to the citizens of Fredericksburg left no hope of such a support. As the only substitute in my reach, I sat on the edge of the pew door in its panel, threw his arm across my knee, raised his head to my shoulder, and held it there by laying mine against it. In this way I could talk in a low monotone to him, and the hopes to which the soul turns when about to leave the tenement of clay. He gasped acquiescence to these hopes, and his words led several men near to draw their sleeves across their eyes. But they all knew he was dying, and a little sympathy and sadness would not injure them. He reached toward the floor, and the man next handed up a daguerreotype case which he tried to open. I took and opened it, found the picture of a young handsome woman and held it in a candle so that he could see it. His tears fell on it as he looked and he gasped, I shall never be where that has been. I said, Is it your wife? And he replied, No, but she would have been. 
i always tried to avoid bringing sadness to the living on account of death but it must have been hard for men to sleep in sound of his laboured breathing and to soften it i began singing shining shore he took it up at once in a whisper tone keeping time as if used to singing soon one then another and another joined until all over the church those prostrate men were singing that soft sad melody on the altar burned a row of candles before a life-sized picture of the virgin and child the cocks crew the turn of the night outside and when we had sung the hymn through some of the men began again and we had sung it a second time when i heard george call me i knew that he too was dying and would probably not hear the next crowing of the cock i must go to him how could i leave his head unsupported o oh, death where is thy sting i think it was with me that night but i went to george and when the sun arose it looked upon two corpses the remains of two who had gone from my arms in one night full of hope in the great hereafter End of chapter seventy four